Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Underrated Movie Podcast. This is a podcast where we discuss films that are underrated, underappreciated, and ones that have slipped under the radar and passed most people by. For this special spooky episode, I am joined by a special spooky guest, and that would be Jason Kleberg from the Force 5 Podcast. How's it going, man? What's going on, Derek? I, uh, I'm always honored to be somebody's Halloween guest. So, uh, yeah, I feel good about this one. Yeah, yeah, this is this is exciting. Yeah, so so thank you for coming on. Uh, before we get started, you know, you, you like I said, you're the host of Force Five. What can what do you want to let the people know about you real fast? Ooh, about me? Well, Force Five is a podcast where I force a different guest every show to come up with a movie themed top five list topic. And then we reveal our picks on air. So, like I said, I've got a different guest on every show. The selection of guests is something that I'm really proud of. And the topics are always super interested or super interesting. And, uh, you know, you've been on the show. We did, uh, what, top five brief encounter films way back yeah. on episode 58. That was the summer of 2021. So, oh, wow, wow. It's yeah, been a minute. A, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while, but I got some, some really cool stuff happening over there. And when is this airing? October what? Uh, this should come out uh, middle of October, October um, 16th. Okay, cool. So if you listen to my show in a week, we'll do the top five. Uh, it's like a, the Halloween special that we do every year. I got a really cool guest lined up for this year. So uh, yeah, just all kinds of cool top five lists over there. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. You know, anybody who listens to this show knows that I'm a big fan of ranking and listing things, uh, especially <laughs> movies. So I make sure to to not miss an episode of that. It's it's always a blast. But yeah, thank you. Thank you for for coming on. And uh, every, yeah, everybody out there should definitely go listen to listen to some spooky episodes of Force Five and just Force Five in general. Uh, no matter what you what you. Uh, how do you even say it? When there's a topic that you think, well, the top five is obvious or I don't really have an interest in this top five topic. There are always films that get brought up where it's like, wow, I never thought of that as that kind of film or discover films. So it's just really cool to see other people's movie tastes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really always, it's, I'm always glad that you have you and then someone else because there's always, you know, those two differing opinions and some you guys might line up. Some you got might be like, well, you 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 always have deep cuts too, and I I really appreciate that. I'm always adding things to my letterbox after listening <laughs> to your show. Um, That's fun. Yeah. A lot of the guests come up with a lot of these deep cuts too, and then I gotta yeah. throw more stuff on my ever growing list as well. <laughs> yeah, that's how it that's how it always goes. Yeah. But yeah, uh, today I asked you to bring me a, a spooky episode, and you delivered in the one uh, one called Deadstream which is a 2022 movie uh, was released uh, to Shudder uh, after having a run at South by Southwest um, where it uh, did very well. And yeah, so the, the horror, if people aren't familiar, they're not as anybody out there who is not a big horror fan. Shudder is a specifically horror themed streaming service. But yeah, what was it about Deadstream that made you want to give this to me as one to cover here on Underrated? Well, there's, there's a couple of reasons. The first reason is I wanted to bring something newer, mm. was underseen, because when it comes to horror fans, if you have horror fans listening, it's really hard 
to impress a horror fan or champion an older film that hasn't already been rediscovered, reassessed, and championed already. It's one of the most passionate uh, film sub-segments, I think, the horror film fans. So I wanted to bring something a little bit newer to the table that maybe people just didn't get a chance to watch last year. And the second reason is that... Uh, so I, I'm also an aspiring screenwriter, and always bothered me that I had never written a horror film. And so gosh, it must have been like three years ago. I was on this uh, ghost tour on a ship. Th these big, uh, you know, like USS whatever, the aircraft mm -hmm. carriers. And I had a conversation with the guy there and I ended up writing the script for his like haunted tour. Oh, and very cool. After that, I started developing a, a horror movie in my head, and I was like, oh, this, this could be really cool, but when you're developing a story in your head, you can only go so far before inspiration strikes again. And so I was developing this, and there was always this missing puzzle piece, and then I watched Deadstream, and it like clicked. Okay, here's, here's what I need to do in this movie. <laughs> it's not... Um, it's not like you see something and want to copy it, but it, it just sparked an idea in me. And so now I have this really cool horror comedy that I'm working on, and a lot of the development is owed to this because I was just writer's blocked up, and this one just freed that writer's block. That's awesome. That's really cool. So yeah, then you know what was it about this movie? Like, what do you uh, that kind of sparked you? What What do you love about this film? Well, I think it's really hard to do horror comedy well. There are really great horror comedies out there, like Evil Dead, Shaun of the Dead. Typically, when somebody tries horror comedy, it over-indexes on the comedy, which gets it into the realm of the goofy, and it just doesn't have the scares. And I think that what this film does so well is that it is hilarious, but it's also really scary. Yeah. The way that it's set up is, is really perfect with this main character that you kind of unsure of because you're watching him in awe of how goofy he is but also like you know everything you're seeing is his internet personality until about halfway in the film when he starts kind of revealing his true self but <laughs> and it just has all these elements of it feels like a more modern evil dead i think this is mm. like the youtube generation's evil dead right here and i'm talking about the original evil dead not the remakes of course mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah no and I, I really loved it, too. I, I think we were kind of talking off mic a little bit. You were asking me if I had seen or heard of this one. And it's something I had a very passing familiarity with. So I'm glad you brought it to my attention because I actually, through a friend, have Shudder. Uh, and it's something that I haven't really been utilizing that much. And I know they have so many good originals. So I was really excited to check this one out. And you know, you mentioned the Evil Dead connection. And I think that it really does have a perfect balance of scares and horror. Uh, you know, it's like that thing Jordan Peele said about how really comedy and horror are kind of very similar and they, they just kind of evoke this just this deep reaction in you, this just kind of primeval thing that just comes out of you in a laugh or a shriek or whatever it might be. And I think the way that it balances on a knife between those two differing reactions that it can elicit from you is pretty impressive. But for me, I think that this, you know, and I agree with all that. For me, the one that reminded me of that I was like, this is the YouTube generation of is with the Blair Witch. 
And it, I mean, oh, yeah. it even calls out the Blair Witch at the beginning of the movie when it has that, like, the shirt that he's got. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it feels like, you know, that was a movie that could really only happen in 1999. They're, like, walking around. They're like, oh, there's no phones. or Like, you know, now I feel like that that would be a lot harder to do. You'd have to have a lot more contrivances of why you aren't finding these people in the woods, why they can't call or whatever. This, though, feels like, wow, this is the internet the tiktok the youtube constantly online version of that same found footage thing that's how this generation would approach that and in that generation you know the the protagonists are these people who are like oh we're like trying to make like a true crime spooky documentary and in this one it's just like a canceled youtuber which is i think (laughs) funny and very relevant you know like they call out PewDiePie a number of times we've seen, you know, like people like Miranda Sings and all these people who have had very cringy attempts to kind of come back and to get their YouTube clout back. And his attempt to do that through like, oh, I'm going to go to this haunted house is really funny. And his, I think his YouTube Corona persona thing is just so accurate that it was well, like when it started, I was like, oh, this is so good. But it's hard <laughs> to watch almost because I like I've, everyone's seen those guys on YouTube who are just like, whoa, hey, can you believe this thing? I'm going to and like, make sure to check my merch. And you're just like, oh, my God, this is like every one of those dudes. And like you said, though, you start to slowly see the facade fade away where he's you're both realizing that like maybe he's not the greatest guy. But at the same time, he's becoming more relatable. I really thought all of that was very interesting. Yeah, it's one of those things where, well, there's a couple things that you mentioned. First off, Blair Witch with technology. It's really hard now to write horror movies in the current times. That's why you have so many of these movies set in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, because with technology, a lot of the plots of horror movies that you've seen in the past would not work today. And he uses that technology to make this movie in a way that it's it's really the only way this movie could be made. And so that's something that's that's really cool. And the second piece of it, his YouTube personality is spot on, like you said. <laughs> and he's one of those guys that people like me and you see in this movie and go like, oh my God, I can't stand this guy. <laughs> And he's doing such a good job at making me not like him because he's so realistic, these YouTubers. Mm. But at the same time, I see my kids, 10-year-old cousins, watching people like this on a daily basis. So, like, <laughs> if you're that person that grew up with these YouTubers and that's the kind of person that you like watching, it's going to have almost like a different set of a, a different coat of paint for that person watching this saying like, oh, this is like those YouTubers I love. Whereas you and I are watching this like, oh, my God, I can't stand this guy. <laughs> yeah. And I think that it does a lot of stuff with the the medium very smartly. You know, like found footage has always been something that's worked very well with horror. Like, obviously, we talked about Blair Witch, but then you get stuff like paranormal activity. It's and it fits with the genre very well both in terms of like oh this is something that's going to kind of scare you but also it feels thematically appropriate for the found footage to be here and i think for example the exposition in this feels completely natural you never feel like the movie's stopping and you know like chris nolan's like gotta just explain how inception (laughs) works it's like oh this is a youtuber and he's like telling his youtube audience 
what he's about to do. So you're getting all of the lore of this spooky house and everything in this movie, but it's being done in the exact style that someone who would actually go out and do this challenge, quote unquote challenge that they've given themselves on YouTube would do. Yeah. And I guess we should probably set it up for those who haven't seen it. Hmm. This is basically the whole movie is told through cameras and GoPros. So you're either seeing it from his point of view or you're seeing it from GoPros that he's set up when he gets to the spot or you're seeing it through the tablet that he's looking at. But it's this guy who is a YouTuber named The Wrath of Sean. <laughs> Great name, by the way. <laughs> And his channel is one of those channels that's just so annoying where he says he's conquering his fears, but really he's just kind of being an a-hole and doing <laughs> ridiculously dangerous stunts. And there's a scene where he throws something at a cop at the beginning of the thing because one of his fears he wants to conquer is running from the police. And he's been demonetized and he's been canceled and you don't know why at first you just know he has been and he put out this really lame apology video about whatever he did he's attempting to win back his followers with live streaming one night alone in this haunted house and his stipulation is that any strange noise he hears he has to investigate or he's going to forfeit his pay from his only remaining sponsor which is this energy drink that he keeps hawking during the <laughs> the live stream which is really really funny by the way like yeah he's trying perfect. not to swear so he doesn't get demonetized and as things are escalating it's even more funny when he's when he swears and then he instantly says like I'm sorry don't don't demonetize me as he's running from what could be a demon right he's like I should get three strikes <laughs> yeah. And then of course throughout the night he he accidentally pisses off a vengeful spirit and his big comeback event becomes this real-time fight for his life which you know about about halfway through the movie things start to get real twisted and and it, it is as scary as it is funny. I think this really hits the mark for horror comedy. Yeah, you're absolutely right and it's it's very spooky. Kind of talked about I was talking about on underrated that I'm I'm not a big fan of jump scares. They don't tend to get me. And this feels like it didn't really rely on that. It just kind of was like, here's a spooky house, whatever, like Sean could be going around the corner. And there's like little stuff you're like, you'll see something in the corner or like the chat will be like, Hey, look at this. Like the, the <laughs> yeah. kind of chat thing is, is done mass. Like those little jokes and things like that. But there's just like little Easter eggs throughout that come back later. And everything, I think, is set up so well in this movie. There's so much setup and payoff. You mentioned at the beginning, you don't know what he's been demonetized for. They don't tell you that until probably the th about the beginning of the third act. I, I love also a, a, you know, it feels appropriate because it's like, this is just a live stream, a horror movie that comes in at under 90 minutes. Uh, this Because I think this is like about that, right? This is like, uh, 87 minutes, yeah, according to Letterboxd. I love a good short horror film. I don't know about you. Same. I, I think that with the age of streaming, more writers and really more production studios need to understand that movies don't have to be an hour and a half long anymore because mm -hmm. a lot of people aren't leaving their house for it. So you could make a 60-minute horror film if that's what you have. And at 87 minutes, this thing never drags on really kicks in quickly once the horror stuff starts going and it uh, doesn't really let up until the last frame. Yeah. And, you know, we, we talked about how 
This was a movie that was purchased by a streaming company, and it feels very appropriate for that. Like, I know it's screened at festivals and stuff, but like you, you would you wouldn't watch someone streaming on you know a big screen. You'd watch it on your computer, or your or your family TV. You and so it does really ca- help capture that by being in this kind of you're almost in that mindset. Like, yeah, you are actually watching a YouTuber live screening because you're watching it just at home. Yeah, and it nails the streaming thing. Like you said, mm-hmm. I think the chat thing is so well done. You're seeing his point of view and you're seeing like the little chat bubbles in the right corner. And at first he's kind of playfully kind of like going back and forth with some of the people that are putting in comments. He's making jokes. He you know, he's just like uh he he's being his old kind of uh raunchy self at at points. And then as he starts getting, as, as things start escalating and he's getting scared and you have these listeners that are either taunting him, like a lot of people mm-hmm. online do, like the, uh, the <laughs> trolls. And then you also have people that are trying to help him. So they're researching symbols that they see on the wall, like these internet sleuths. They're sending him videos of, hey, here's what you actually said to that demon in Latin. Uh, you didn't say what she said you were saying. <laughs> like, there's there's these internet people that are helping him at the same time. It really gets that culture right. I, I just love that about it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like you mentioned that people are sending him videos. I love that. And it's another thing that's set up really well and comes back is that you see the, you know, the hand, which, you know, he freaks out. He's like, oh, there's like a like a spooky hand. And it's, um, what, I believe, what's it called? A, a Hamda? Um, yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then they, they like, oh, we, they track down the person who, like, made this way back in the day. It's, it's one of these people's grandmas. And she talks about, oh, yeah, I had to create this and it's a sacrifice in this thing, which he thought was, he was like, oh, I'm going to smash this and, like, make a show out of it. Because that's when he was doing his performative YouTube thing was the one thing that could have saved him. I thought that was really smart. The way that just, they are able to incorporate that, sending in the videos, bring in on all these other things, bring in some other actors too. So it's you know he's able to play off somebody, and then you know of course we speaking of other actors, he do, they do bring in Chrissy, I, I who I think well, that kind of caught me off guard when somebody else showed up, and then <laughs> all the stuff that happens with her, you find out who she really is. She's really this demon Mildred, or like she's this uh, ghost Mildred who's sold her soul to the devil. That was all amazing. I thought. Yeah, so this was filmed during COVID. Like I think a lot of podcasts were, yeah, a lot of <laughs> podcasts were formed during COVID. Mine was. I'm, I think yours was as well, right? Uh, I we predated it by a little bit, but yeah. um, yeah, yeah, we figured a lot of stuff out during COVID. I'll say that much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you have a lot of these COVID films where it's really limited casts. Uh, this was directed by Joseph Winter, who is also stars in it and wrote it with his wife. And there's really only two and a half other characters in this movie. (laughs) And Chrissy shows up. She's like this kind of uh, rabid fan at first who uh, she says she tracked him down based on where he was going. So she just showed up and wants to hang out with him for the night. And he's like, at first, no, you got to go. And then he says, well, maybe you should stay because he's getting scared. And uh, she has a great dynamic that, yeah, he bounces off of for a minute and then after a horrible realization later in the film, she turns into something completely different. And then that's, that's really when the movie takes that turn into, uh, it, it went from kind of creepy and spooky to all of a sudden really scary. And the stakes turned really real. Yeah. And I think 
You know, she is so important to the kind of themes of the movie because he kind of realizes the parallels between him, a YouTuber who will do anything to get more followers, more views, all this stuff, uh, and this ghost who wants people to read her poetry and has literally sold her soul to the devil to get more followers. And I think that is such an interesting commentary on just kind of <laughs> modern internet culture. And it's something I personally could kind of like, not relate to, but understand where it's like, sometimes I do feel like I need to sell my soul to like get my podcast and get more listeners and more followers <laughs> and stuff like that. It's like, oh man, the thing, it's like, where do you draw the line? It's like, okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. That's too cringy. But like, I know if I did that, it would really work so well. I don't, did you relate to any of that at all? Or like, you know, kind of like vibe with any of that at all? I thought the correlation, of course, between her wanting more poetry fans back in the day mm-hmm. to him wanting YouTube fans now was extremely relevant. Personally, uh, I it never really occurred to me like I would do that or I would do something insane to get more listeners. But I... Like when I watched him, when I watched Sean mm-hmm. Ruddy, yeah, I would absolutely believe that he would do that. Uh, just because of who he is. I mean, you see it from from like scene one. Just his setup at home is just designed to try and milk his subscribers as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. His merch is so out there. He's trying so hard to be this ubiquitous YouTuber. At some point, he gets into his car, and you see his car is just filled with his own merch. It's <laughs> yeah, just that, so funny. I, laughed. I really, I really laughed at that moment. Like it was just like, oh yeah, and like even, even the Blair Witch thing is a is a merch joke. Like that's so good. It's like a callback <laughs> to you know this other movie that it's really paying homage to. But it's like, oh, here's the modern version today. This kind of guy would just be trying to hawk something from that, you know. Yeah, and it's not every day that you get to kill a zombie with your own bobblehead. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, something that I talked about a little bit on the last episode, it's not it's not out yet um, by the time when, you know, we, you and I are talking of the recording, but it's, I do love, we talked about Sinister, and I kind of love horror movies where it's like there's a guy in the movie or like a person in the movie who I see and I can kind of be like, wow, I understand like his drive. Like, I'm not saying like I've like relate to it or, you know, want to be like it. But I like I'm, I, I kind of get that. Like, for me, at least I'm like, I do. I do really want to have like more more people listening to me. And it's not like a positive aspect, I think, of my personality. And when you see horror movies that you're like, wow, this is a negative thing about me that I can really understand. I kind of hope that this guy gets what's coming to him. And in the <laughs> end he does get what's coming to him. You're like you, cause you're watching it and you're like, Oh man, he's, he's, he's screwed up, but he can, he can maybe get out of it. Like he can maybe try and escape. He can maybe try and make the, uh, the new Hamda, but he's like, he makes the worst possible decision. He's like, no, I'm going to steal her followers. I'm going to do it. I'm going to sell my soul to the devil and cut off my hand. And you're just like, Oh my God, this guy, he's just, you know, he is, that's exactly what this kind of like thirsty YouTuber would, who is obsessed with just, you know, growing his channel and getting more and more popular and building his brand and never letting that persona come down for a second. 
until, you know, he, it's been completely eroded away by the threat of death would do. And I, I just love that, you know, you see her get dragged to hell. And then that last shot is just like the consequences coming for him. I thought that was a beautiful way to end it. Yeah. And it's funny because the short sightedness of the character who, if he had just found a way out, he would have probably been one of the most popular YouTubers ever because of this whole ordeal that was on camera. It would have been everywhere, but yeah, yeah, exactly. His stunt at the end there, going back in to try and essentially take the curse away from her and and put it on himself. And yeah, yeah, yeah. fortunately for him, it, it does not does not end the way he thought it would. Nope he he did yeah like you said very short sighted but and it's it's the classic horror movie thing where it's just like you got out of the house you broke your leg jumping out of a window don't go back in the house man don't do that but it's like the other <laughs> thing on community with abed where he's like yeah horror movie people they're not like robots they don't think about everything completely logically people in movies are just like regular people they have flaws they make bad decisions all the time and him deciding to go back into the house is a, such a bad decision after especially after all the stuff that he went through to get out of it you're like that it's I'm like that's that's some classic horror movie shit right there. I know. And it's got when he goes back in it's got one of my favorite gags in the movie where he puts one of the GoPros on the head of the of the spirit. <laughs> and then when that that's demon gets so loose and then it's you know you get the the knife uh, point of view of that of being. It's it's nuts. It's insane. It's so fun. Yeah, and like you said, like this really utilizes all that creative stuff, you know, like you said, it was shot during COVID and now, like, I didn't think about that, but now that you mentioned, like, this is clearly like a COVID movie where they are using a small setup, one location essentially, and doing really creative stuff and working it into that found footage framing device. You know, you, you have all these GoPros and stuff like that. It, it really, really works. It feels completely like, a modernization of any of those movies, like a Cloverfield or anything like that. And in the sometimes I feel like those movies can strain credibility. You're like, when you're watching Blair Witch, you're like, why are they still recording? Like, right, why are they right. still going? But, but in this one, you get it. Like, that's this guy's whole thing. It's his whole life. He's obsessed with it. You know, the cameras are rolling, even if he doesn't necessarily want one to, if he wants one to stop, it would still roll. And he's trying to like document this. He's on, he's actively trying to get help too through a good portion of this. He's like, "Hey, help! Come help me!" So really smart screenwriting. I feel like where you're taking the limitations of you know what you have to shoot and turning all of those into huge advantages for you. It's really hard to impress me with a found footage film. I'm not normally a big fan of found footage films, and I'm really uh, hoping that nobody soon chooses top five found footage films because that's going to be a really <laughs> hard list for me to put together. But this one, like you said, it just does it so well, and it does it in a way that just makes sense. He, we see him get to this haunted house. We see him putting up the cameras. We see him putting up the cameras in places for reasons. He, you know, at the very start of the movie, he sees something spooky outside and he's like, okay, I got to set one up here. Then he, he walks us through his wristband, which has a button on it that basically allows him to switch from view to view. So he's doing that intentionally for his viewers, also us. 
And I think that it just sets that up in such a smart way. And then he's also got that tablet so we can see different screens at a time. We could see those interactions and everything just works and makes sense. It's just so well put together. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Incredibly well thought out and great blocking, great choreography. You you really understand the geography of where anything is at any given time. They really set all of that up so well. I think that a problem that some horror films kind of run into uh, is that you don't really understand, or just like any film really any can run into, is you don't get the geography. So when someone is like trapped in a house or something and they're trying to escape, you're like, oh, what what is going on now? But now you clearly know what everything is. You know where everything is. You know, okay, he's got to get back to the safe room. That's the safe room. He's in this place. This is where this person died. There's this ghost here. There's these ghosts in this room. You know, there's the kid ghost over here. You clearly understand how everything is set up because of A, the way that the script, the script tells you all that stuff, but B, because of the choreography, because of the way the, like you said, the cameras are set up and you are cutting back and forth. Sometimes you're having split screens. It's crystal clear at all times what is happening. Yeah. And the other impressive thing is that there's not a whole lot of geography to it. It's not mm. a mansion. It's not a big house. There's like a couple, maybe like a living room, a family room and a kitchen downstairs and then two or three rooms upstairs, and that's all you got. And they somehow make it work, and it feels way bigger than it actually is. Like, if you look at it logically and you look at it through some of those screens that he has set up, it's it's not a big house, but it also has that feeling that, you know, you, you have when you're younger where you feel like your house is huge, but it's <laughs> just because you're small. Like, that's that's how it kind of feels. It's a really, it's really not a big house. Yeah, it's, it feels like, almost like the right exact like if you added a couple more rooms it would be kind of hard to logically keep track of everything but there's still enough to keep it interesting it's definitely right there in that sweet spot i think yeah and you can totally see how he screws himself at every turn before <laughs> he even gets into the house he claims that he's doing it under the guise of i'm sabotaging myself because i don't want to chicken out at the same time, you also probably understand that this guy doesn't think that there are spirits in this house. Mm -hmm. So the one of the first things he does is he takes spark plugs out of his car and he throws them into the woods. And then when <laughs> he gets to the house, he's nailing everything shut behind him. He's throwing away keys. He's, he's making sure that it's not going to be easy for him to leave. So when shit does hit the fan, you see him trying to escape. You remember how screwed he is because he did it to himself under the guise of nothing, nothing's really going to happen. And you can tell this in his voice and his inflection as he, his first couple like screams and jolts and jumps, you can tell they're just manufactured. Mm -hmm. If you watch just a scene from the beginning and then the scene from when he's really scared, the cadence in his voice and his screams is so different. And that's another piece that I love about this. Yeah, no. And that speaks to how good his performance is because he is able to, it's like Harrison Ford in uh, Blade Runner when he puts on that weird persona or something like that. He's he, When he goes like into the snake club or whatever, it's like he's doing that weird voice. <laughs> it's like uh, you, you, you're like, oh, that's, a, that's bad acting right there. But you know that it's a good actor doing bad acting. And because you have him doing that, like, ah, oh, afraid. And then you have him do like, what, like the genuine scares. That's really good acting just to pose against, you know, a good, like 
it's like a Russian nesting doll of acting. I don't even know how to describe it. So I think he's really great, uh, uh, Joseph Winter. And then Melanie Stone, uh, you know, who we mentioned played um, Chrissy slash Mildred, is also, I, I these are both people I was hadn't really seen anything. I don't think they've done a, a ton. I think she was in one of the VHS movies. But I was really impressed with both of their performances. Yeah, she was great. She worked with Joseph Winter because he directed her segment in VHS uh, 99. Oh, nice. And then she's been in a couple of things like Hallmark movies, but nothing like this. And yeah, she was really great in this. Then he has been in a couple of things as an actor. He's This was, I think, his real like feature debut coming out kind of party. But and he, I, I will go see anything he does next, especially with him behind the camera, because hmm. what he did on a shoestring budget with a shoestring cast is just, it's amazing. Yeah, and I think horror is such a good way for people who don't have the biggest budgets, the most resources to to make something really interesting like this. I've talked about on this show before, like it is, you see a lot of, our best directors that like horror was a jumping off point for them. Um, and it doesn't always have to be, it can, they can stick with horror, but it is really a good way to tell really effective visceral stories without having to have a ton of money. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, before we completely wrap up here, you know, are, are there any like final thoughts you have about the movie? Anything, if anybody's, you know, hasn't seen it yet and they're still on the fence, um, what would you like to say? I think this is perfect Halloween viewing with friends. You got to get a room full of people because it's you're going to laugh a lot, but they are going to be like your laughs are going to be releasing the pressure valve from the tension. And that's always more fun when you have a bunch of people with you. So my suggestion, get a bunch of friends, get a case of good beer and watch this thing close to Halloween uh, don't be scared of the like, YouTube aspect of it. Don't be put off by the found footage thing. Uh, it really, really works. And I guarantee you're going to have fun with it either with a, I love these kind of YouTubers way, or I hate these kind of YouTubers way. Either <laughs> way, this is a movie that is, I, I think it's going to surprise you how much you're going to laugh. I rarely laugh out loud when I'm watching movies by myself. I watched this by myself because my wife is not a horror fan. So she was out with the kid. I watched it and I was I was sitting there on my couch laughing my butt off. And uh, it's it's really hard to make me do that. So highly, highly recommend Deadstream. Yeah, I, I completely agree with all that. And I just want to circle back to one thing you said about, you know, the laughter releasing the tension. And that's something that I feel like you you really need in a lot of movies. If it's if it's all just tension, it's all just build there's nowhere to go. Uh, but when you have these really scary moments and then you're able to breathe for a second, laugh a little bit, and then it, you're able to just kind of go back into it. Uh, if, you, if you're just at the one thing the whole time, I don't think it's nearly as effective. And it's done so well in this movie. There are movies that do that stuff and they don't do it well. I think modern Marvel movies are a great example of that. They'll have a really intense emotional scene and then somebody directly after makes a joke and it doesn't make sense to be there. Sure, it makes the audience laugh, but it also cheapens the moment that came before it. In this movie, it's just done so naturally because of who this guy is that it never breaks you out of the movie. 
And I think that's one thing that I also appreciated about it. Yeah, absolutely. It, it feels all very true, very real to the character that we've seen. It Nothing ever feels like it's contrived. Everything feels like it's happening for a reason. Totally. Well, Jason, thank you so much for coming on and talking. Like this, Obviously, I had a blast with this movie. It's something that I don't know what I would have watched if you hadn't put it on my radar. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, like I, I, I'm I'm really excited, you know, like I've been gearing up for all these spooky movies, getting ready for Halloween. Uh, so I, I've been having a ton of fun with that. But yeah, where can people find Force 5 and find you online? You can find Force 5 anywhere you're listening to this. Uh, if you want to interact with me on socials, it's always Force 5 Podcast or Force 5 Pod. Force 5 Pod on Twitter. I think Force 5 Podcast everywhere else. Force5Podcast.com is the website if you want to see all the episodes. And coming up here, let's see, by the time, actually, appropriately, by the time this one airs, my latest one will have been Top 5 Horror Comedies. So if you want more films like this, I will have one by the time this airs that's up. Uh, we've got the Halloween special coming up. And then in November, we've got top five erotic thrillers with director Joe Lynch. And then what else we got there? Um, top five Hollywood pictures releases with Jackson Boren, which oh. will be a fun one, too. So I've got a, a lot of cool stuff on the horizon and a huge back catalog for people to listen to. And if you want somewhere to start, Rick McDuff's episode 58, top five brief encounters was a really fun one to do. Thank you. Yeah, I, I had a blast with that. Um, so, yeah, I'll, thank you again for having me on back then. Thank you for coming on now. Uh, I had a blast with it. And, yeah, for anybody who's listening who might be your first episode or you, you might not be super familiar with the show, check check out underratedmoviepodcast.com. All the links to all of our stuff there is there. Uh, the Patreon, the Instagram, all that good stuff. We're going to be coming out with... Uh, by the time this airs, uh, we'll just yesterday, we'll have put out the first episode for our new Patreon-exclusive podcast, Underdogs, uh, which we'll be covering Moneyball. That is going to be with uh, the host of the uh, Hooks and Runs podcast, Craig. Uh, so they'll actually be next week, next Monday. You're going to get a special preview of that. Um, but if you want to get more episodes of that and listen to it now, right away, uh, head to become a patron for at least $3 at uh, Underrated Movie Podcast uh, over on Patreon. You can sign up, though, for as little as a dollar to get all kinds of perks. So, yeah, uh, that's that's my little uh, Sean-esque pitch there at the end. <laughs> and drink Thunder Energy Drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, everybody. Uh, thank you again, Jason. And I'll catch you guys all next